To Arsenal's credit, having lost their grip on the Premier League title race, they're refusing to let the Manchester machine prize every finger off the handle of the trophy. Last week's win at Newcastle raised eyebrows and raised the pressure on Manchester City, and this could be a pivotal weekend. I'm Kevin Hatchard, and this is Football Only Better. My top tipping team has been razor sharp this season, starting with arch number cruncher and betting detective Mark O'Hare. Mark, let's start with Manchester City's trip to Everton. Everton boosted by that extraordinary out-of-character 5-1 win at Brighton, where Dwight McNeil turned into you know, vintage Jairzinho. It was really quite extraordinary. Um, City in the midst of trying to see off Real Madrid in the Champions League. So you looked at that game and thought, oh, no, that'll be an easy City win. And now it's like, maybe not. Yeah, kind of annoying it happened because I, from about 10 <laughs> days ago, a fortnight ago, I probably looked at this game and I thought there's an opportunity to get Everton on side and with a big handicap start. Um, I was quite looking forward to the, to the prospect, really. But um, that performance just changes everything a little bit, really. Um, How do we explain uh, that? Because they've been so bad in front of goal. I know Calvert-Lewin's back, so he sparks a few things. Ducouré turned up. As I say, McNeil was suddenly unplayable. So how do we explain that? Yeah, I think Calvert-Lewin is is a good starting point. Um, His presence, his ability to to link the play and just be the focal point changes everything. We know Sean Dyche likes to work with a big man up top, but I think Calvert-Lewin is more than just a big man. He's a great link player. He can run the channels, as we saw for the opening goal. Um, he's got skill. He's got ability. So uh, I think he does make a big difference. And I think Dyche got some of the big calls right against uh, Brighton on Monday. Garner kept his place in central midfield after a positive performance against Leicester. Mina came back into the team at centre-half. Um, Patterson was thought, thought was excellent as well at right-back after Coleman's injury too. And look, Everton have been quite front foot in recent weeks. I think there's been a recognition that to survive, to get yourself out of trouble, you're going to have to be a bit more proactive. You can't play Sean Dyche, Burnley football. We have to be better than that. And they do have more talent, obviously, than the Clarets did back in his day. And you can see in their shot tallies, actually, it's increased really quite significantly. They've had at least 10 shots in 12 of their last 13 Premier League games, averaging 13.38 Across their previous 22 games, they averaged just 9.81. So that's a big, big upturn. And as I say, I think it's just a recognition that to survive, draws aren't going to be good enough. So you have to start playing front foot football. We saw it at Leicester, actually, the week previous on the Monday night when I thought they were very, very good. Um, They've got a nice blend of of kind of uh, players who can bully and physically dominate you in midfield. Uh, From set pieces, they're pretty much a a really good threat as well. There's pace, there's there's sort of intent. You know, you mentioned McNeil. Um, Decora, I think, has been really good as well in that kind of floating role. at the uh, at the top of the midfield too, so there's a lot to be positive about for Everton. But um, I think perhaps that result has just kind of probably refocused Man City. Um, they'll, they'll see they'll be well aware Goodison Park is not an easy venue to go and win at and win comfortably at. They've obviously had a few issues in, in sort of seeing Everton off at Goodison in recent years. Um, but I think it will just refocus their mind. If Brighton can get them 5-1 at home, then City need to be you know alert because they haven't been that the best against Fulham or Leeds in the last two Premier League matches. They've managed to get the job done. They look like they're just in that in that mode right now where it's just win, move on to the next challenge, win, move on to the next challenge. And 
I think we've got a few clues as to how they might approach this. Uh, he rotated a few players last week against Leeds, then played the same eleven for the full 90 in Madrid, despite us being told how hot it was in Spain in midweek. So that suggests to me that they will rotate again this weekend. Um, obviously, the players to come into the team are, are no slouches, you know, the likes of Foden and Mares, but some certain individuals weren't at their best against Leeds, and they'll have to be better, I think, if City are going to see off Everton comfortably in this match. So yeah, I'm fascinated by it. Uh, unfortunately, I think the, the kind of cat is out of the bag in terms of Everton after what happened on Monday. So, you know, I'm, I'm not too keen to get involved in this game. I would have been tempted by Everton plus one and a half, but... You know, it's it's never a fun watch to see ever see anything kind of uh, back them with a plus start, regardless of the number against Man City, particularly the mood they're in right now. And they could easily turn up and do a job. But I just think City right now are so focused on trying to win the match, regardless of style, regardless of the margin of victory, and then move on because the title race is still alive. They still are obviously clear, strong, massive odds on favourites to do so. But also, as you say, between two massive ties against Real Madrid as well, there might be a propensity for them to to slack off early doors and uh, just get the job done and, and sort of move on. But uh, yeah, just too many question marks for me to get involved in this match with a, a strong view. Trader, tipster, and I, I can now officially reveal, thankfully, Ireland's next Eurovision entry. Brian McDonnell is with us. Brian, this suddenly does seem a tougher game for City uh, than it did a few days ago. And City, even though they've been winning, they've been on an amazing run of victories. At Fulham, it was quite tricky for them. They've had the odd performance where they haven't quite been as dominant as you'd expect. Yeah, and I can only echo what Mark was saying there, really. You know, they City, are, they're just doing what they need to do in the league to get across the line. They're not overexerting themselves. Um, you mentioned the Fulham game. I think it was Stinch when I was listening to the episode before the Fulham game. He, he actually predicted that they might go and, and win that by the single goal. They've done that twice. Uh, they did it against Leeds as well last week. Even the West Ham game in between, it took until the second half till they opened the scoring, which for, yeah. you know, they went 3 0. But for, for City standards, usually they're a goal, if not two goals, up at home. Um, in the league so yeah there's been signs over the past few fixtures that they might have a slip up in them um, it'll be really interesting to see what their lineup is after their draw with Madrid during the week you know they didn't make any subs uh, for the whole 90 minutes so you'd expect one or two changes Maris and Foden will come in you'd imagine I think he'll start with Haaland um, but I'd imagine he'll want him off the pitch as soon as he can so he'll, he'll want to be two or three nil up early on and um, but as Mark said, it's not going to be easy. Everton obviously will have taken huge confidence from their win over um, Brighton. Goodison Park will be rocking from from the start, and, and I think they can even play for a point here. Everton, you know, they they've Wolves and, and Bournemouth for their last two games, two games that you know they'll look at, and, and they should get enough points from those two to to stay in the in the division. I think what's crucial for them in this one is just not to concede early. You know, if you concede first twenty minutes. You know, that atmosphere at Goodison Park can turn flat fairly fairly quickly. And, and we've seen that over the past couple of home games against Newcastle and Fulham, how sort of messy it got when they did concede early. So stay in the game as long as uh, as long as they can will be the aim. But ultimately, I think City will be will be City and, and the breakthrough will probably come. And they'll probably win by the, the single goal and, uh, and look to move on to their second leg against uh, uh, Madrid next week. So I, I don't have a strong opinion on this one. If I was to have a look, it would be City by the, by the single goal again. And according to recent surveys, the biggest celebrity in Malta, odds compiler and tipping titan Mark Stinchcombe is here. Stinch, it was several websites, I gather, that had you top of that showbiz list. So, you know, <laughs> it's not just one. Uh, Stinch, what is your take on this one? 
I, I don't think I'm quite that well known, and I'm quite happy to keep it that way. But thank you, Kev. Oh, uh, you would like to be an incognito kind of celebrity, known for the work rather than yeah. Fair enough. Fair uh, enough. Unfortunately, today I'm handing back our trophy from winning last season's title, so it's it's a sad <laughs> day in that respect. Oh um, no! What went wrong? Right, what went wrong this season? Before we move on, what happened to the title defence? Um, maybe a bit too arrogant, maybe a bit Virgil van Dijk esque. Right, just turn up again and win it. Maybe an okay. That. Okay, so you've learned some lessons, some harsh much. lessons yes, this season. Yes, but it, but it's still yeah. a cup to play for. So we'll we'll go and put all our energy into that instead. Right. I wish you well. I wish Thank you, you very well. much. Um, I'll keep you updated. I won't bore people any further. Um, no, yeah, they so... want to know. This is what they want to know. How is Stinch <laughs> getting on? Yes. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So Mark was kind of a bit. I don't know, annoyed maybe at uh, these two teams' results because um, maybe it changes the dynamics of perhaps where he wanted to go with the, the bet for this game. But um, I was quite pleased, actually, because I think it, with Everton's victory, um, because I think it makes it clear what their approach will be for the final few games. They're two points clear now of the relegation zone. After this, they go to Wolves and then host Bournemouth, who I think both will be mathemat- mathematically fine when they play them. So I think they can just put all their eggs in those baskets and essentially here just go... Let's see if we can sit back, defend for our lives and nick a point, And that'll be absolutely enormous for them. So I think it's going to be a, a tight game because then you throw into the mix that City obviously have got 1-1 against Real Madrid and play them in the second leg. And obviously that ties massively in the balance. So they're going to have a huge focus on that as well. But then at the same time, they're only one point clear of Arsenal. So I think it just it all paints to a really, really tight game, which City probably will just manage about to squeeze through. And given City a three to ten, you can get five to two for City to win by exactly one goal, and I think that's uh, uh, the way to go. I don't think it's a fantastic price though, so I'm, I'm not backing it. But if um, you know if there's some team news changes and it means that City drift and that price drifts, then if it goes out to something like three to one, I think that's then that's worth a bet. Then I just think as well that um, City, have, uh, sorry Everton, have been quite good at containing City. Um, of, of recent seasons. Um, Everton have lost five of the last six v City, but two of those were by a single goal. And actually, if you look at the last two meetings, they finished 1-1 under Mr. Lampard, and the other one, they only lost 1-0. So they have proved that they are able to keep things tight. And yeah, I just think with the the other fixtures and City maybe having one eye on the semi-final, that it, it, might, not, it might not be as smoothly as that 3-10 to 10 would suggest. You look at City, obviously, and you're beating Leeds by a single goal, Fulham by a single goal. Uh, a few weeks before they went to Palace and only won by a single goal. So as Mark says, it doesn't matter about performances at this stage of the season, just as long as they get the three points. This football season, get a helping hand with Betfair's popular Bet Builder. Easily add our most popular or fan favourite football selections to your bet slip in just one tap. T's and C's in the description, 18 plus. See gambleaware.org. Arsenal currently a point behind City, having played a game more. Can't afford any slip-ups as they face a dangerous but wounded Brighton team. Brian Arsenal 1.79 to win this. Brighton can be really dangerous. Is that price a touch short or is it fair considering what Arsenal have done over the course of the season? Uh, I'd consider it to be a touch short. I wouldn't like to, to get involved. You, you, like, you look at Arsenal's performances over the past couple of weeks, they've been a bit inconsistent and hit and miss with the results. You know, they, They've responded really well after their, their blip, their Three draws and their um, their defeats against Man City. You know they, they bounce back 
they bet what was a, a dreadful Chelsea performance at home, but the manner of the win, um, you know, you said in your intro, it raised a few eyebrows at, uh, up at St. James's Park last week. And I, I think that's just got some people thinking, you know, this title race isn't over just yet. Um, I think depending on the the, the Man City result uh, at Goodison Park, that's on a couple hours beforehand, that might, you know, stack up the pressure if Man City were to drop a few points. Um, you know, the atmosphere is, is, is going to be electric at, at the Emirates if that is the case. Um, Looking back at that Newcastle game, you know, a lot has been said over um, Jorginho's performance and his man of the match performance and what he brought to the side in, in terms of sort of balance and, and, and keeping the ball well and, and, and just doing the simple things right, really, you know, breaking up the play, releasing the ball at the, at the right times. And I look back to the Southampton draw that Arsenal had three all draw when, when they went 2 0 down. And I'd say if you were to ask Mikel Arteta what one of his biggest regrets of the season will be. He's probably kicking himself for starting Fabio Vieira ahead of Jorginho in, in, in that one. You know, Vieira's been, been okay for Arsenal, you know, to bring on when they're two or three goals up in the second half of games this season, but he hasn't been able to impose himself on, on games, really. And we're still so young as well, isn't he? And it's a really big leap from Portugal, I think. A hundred percent. But the last time Vieira started a game um, at the Emirates was. The Bournemouth game, where they went 2-0 down to Bournemouth as well, and it took them until, you know, the 97th minute to to get out of jail and they got the winner. But that didn't happen on this occasion. Like, you don't really need to start Vieira there when Arsenal have the firepower, when they have Martinelli, Saka, Odegaard, Jesus. Like, they're going to do the 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 running and, and, and the scoring, the goals. So, I think he probably underestimated... Um, uh, Southampton a touch with that with that Vieira um, starting there and I think if, if Jorginho starts that day alongside um, Xhaka you know that uh, or, or Partey uh, it was at the time that you know Arsenal probably they're not 2-0 down and they're probably two points closer to Man City but you know he hasn't uh, Vieira hasn't played a, a minute since that game as well and look I'm not I'm not blaming Vieira it's just in terms of what Jorginho brought in and the balance to the side which is so important so I think for this game, you know, I, I can imagine that Jorginho is going to be in in, uh, in the side uh, again, but it's just too short to answer your question. Just too short, Arsenal, for me. I'm looking at, at goals in this one. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how Brighton, you know, how they bounce back from the, the 5 1 defeat that, that we touched upon. It, it was a freak result, really. You know, Brighton have been, have been brilliant all season. Um, and I think they're the second highest scorers away from home this season after Arsenal. And they're, they've scored the same amount of goals as Manchester City have away from home. So you look at the Emirates or, or games at the Emirates as well. Um, you know, they've been full of goals this season. The last seven games, 3-1-3-3-4-1-4-1-3-2-4-0-1-3 for an average of 4.7 goals a game. And it's not all Arsenal B that's been scoring the goals. You know, they've conceded 22 goals at the Emirates this season as well. That's along the lines of uh, Leicester and, and Everton who've conceded 23 and 24 goals at home this season, um, you know, and they're they're fighting for relegation. So so I'm going to not predict the winner of the game. I'm just going to go for uh, another great game at the Emirates and, and over 3.5 goals at this one. And if you're going to sit down and watch this on, on Sunday afternoon, maybe at a bigger price, you know, both teams to score in both halves at 11 to 1. It could be one of those where after the game you're thinking, oh, I knew that was going to happen. I might, I should have had a five in, you know? Yeah, Stitch, you've said for a while, Brighton is just an auto bet for overs, isn't it? Is that still the case? Yeah, I think so. But obviously, you've got to pick your prices. Um, 
there, it's one to two for over two and a half goals each, so you wouldn't be backing that. But I like Brian's uh, both teams scoring both halves at uh, eleven to one. I think that should definitely give you a run for your money if you look at the two times they played each other this season. It was four two in the reverse fixture and then three one in the League Cup um, to both away teams. So I think it could be another sort of basketball type match. And, and Arsenal, I think uh, Mark will correct me here if I'm wrong, but I think only Southampton have conceded more goals at home this season than Arsenal or kept more clean sheets, something like that. So, um, yeah, I would definitely get behind that. So, yeah, happy to cheer on the goals, definitely. I've got more of a, a niche bet. Um, I was looking at uh, Bakaya Saka to be involved of some sort. He's the 13th most fouled player in the Premier League this season, uh, 1.7 times per game. And actually, the fouls on him tend to be quite nasty. Um, he's obviously a very tricky player. Um, his opponent has been booked in eight of his last 18 matches. That's 44%. Wow. Uh, this weekend is obviously good. Well, he's most likely to be up against Purvis uh, Espinan, and he's priced at four to one, which says it's just a 20% chance of happening. So very be- happy to have a bet on him. He's only been booked three times in 27 games, but the beauty, in my mind, of these bets, it's all about the offensive player. Like I don't, I don't care if he'd had zero cards in 27 games, I'd still, I'd still back him. Um, and actually, if you look a bit closer at Estepan, he's been booked in both trips to Man City and Liverpool this season. He was booked against both Liverpool and Bayern in the Champions League last season for Villarreal. And internationally, he's booked for both Argentina and Brazil. So he's clearly susceptible against better teams. So, yeah, very yeah. happy to, to back him at 4-1. Mark, how do you see this one going? Yeah, just picking up the pieces of, of what the guys have said. Uh, fully expect goals and entertainment in this match. Um, how do you make it pay? I've gone into the bet builder, backing over two and a half goals, both teams to score and a goal to be scored in both halves, which gets you an even money shot. Um, Arsenal kept their first clean sheet in eight last week against Newcastle. Big credit for them for doing that because they did come under fire. They weren't intimidated. They showed their character and, and temperament and confidence as well. Good reaction since the, the Man City defeat. Back-to-back wins now. They're scoring freely. Two goals and more in 11 of the last 13. Um, and yeah, I think uh, Jorginho's introduction has allowed Erdegaard to play a bit more further forward again, which uh, he was dropping a bit too deep previously. And Arsenal look uh, a good team again. And as you know, the guys have said, brilliant record at the Emirates. 13 wins from 17. Traditionally very strong as home odds-on favourites as well. They're averaging 2.82 goals per game at the Emirates, which is a, a huge number. And they've scored twice or more in 14 of those 17 games as well but uh yeah brighton as we keep saying week after week tremendous fun always they've scored in 28 to 33 premier league games this season they scored in 15 of 16 away but they've only managed two clean sheets away from home and shipped two goals or more in five or six trips to the top half as well obviously monday was a bit of embarrassment their tactical plan was was exposed they've now lost uh two games recently on their travels as well despite scoring in both you know they were very good against spurs but the second half against Forest, they came under fire quite quite significantly. And uh, I think there's going to be opportunities here for Arsenal. So I wouldn't put anyone off the, the 3.25 on Arsenal to win and both teams to score. But uh, I'll stick to the even money shot for, the, for this selection. Uh, 12 of Brighton, 16 away. They've seen overs and BTTS Bank. 13 of Arsenal, 17 at the Emirates. have also seen over two and a half goals and both teams to score Bank. And as Stinch says, Arsenal have kept three clean sheets at the Emirates all season, despite sitting second and leading the league for the majority of the campaign. Only Southampton have kept fewer shutouts at home, which is a, an incredible stat when you think about it. So, yeah, goals all the way for me. I was told after that uh, Brighton-Everton game of the weekend 
that Roberto De Zerbi spent over an hour in the dressing room talking to his players and the reporters waited for him to come out. And then when he came out, they said to him, so Roberto, you were in the dressing room for a long, long time. What did you say to your players? And he went, no, no, nothing, nothing. What didn't say anything for for an hour and 20 minutes, apparently. So, uh, yes, it was obviously uh, quite X-rated stuff that he didn't really want to talk about. Uh, Liverpool on the charge, their long winning streak, putting pressure on the teams above them in the race for the top four. Mark, they visit a Leicester team that's in serious relegation danger and only really seems to have just woken up to that fact. Yeah, I mean... I don't know where you start with Leicester, to be honest. We start to think there's a bit of um, opportunity for them to call their way out of trouble, but uh, they go and put in some of those performances in the last two weeks. We keep saying it. But, so uh, got... bad at Fulham, weren't they? So bad. Yeah, I mean, Fulham were clinical, but even still, to, to allow those opportunities is criminal, really. But we've known, we say it week after week after week, Leicester have got the quality in the forward areas, but defensively, just atrocious. Um, you think with the managerial change, things might improve, but you know, still waiting on that clean sheet since the World Cup. It's 20 games and counting. And those matches against Fulham and Everton, you know, you're not talking about Man City, Liverpool, Arsenal, Fulham and Everton, to give up 4.73 expected goals and concede 28 shots from inside the penalty area. Not good enough, really. Over the last six Premier League games, allowing 18 shots per game on average. That's a huge concern when you come up against a team like Liverpool. Um, you know, Leicester traditionally pretty poor against the best teams this season. Top five results against the top five, eight defeats from eight against the top 12, 16 defeats in 24, one clean sheet in those 24 matches as well. You know, they're two points from safety now. Um, games are running out. They can't afford to play for a point anymore. They have to be front foot. They have to attack. They have to try and go for the win. I just think that's going to open things up delightfully for Liverpool, who, you know, whilst they're not playing particularly well, are in the in the winning groove right now. Six wins on the in on the road for the first time this season. The last five have been by one goal margins, and they've not been dominating teams. We talked about Forest giving them trouble at Anfield. The Spurs game was chaos. The Fulham and Brentford matches were, were more grinding than impressive. They have been reliant on small margins, but I think back to the Leeds game when Leeds were just a a complete rabble defensively on a Monday night, and Liverpool just exposed them. You know, scored six of goals at Ellen Road. It wouldn't be the biggest shock if they did something similar here, I don't think. So, you know, they've been very, very good since they're embarrassed at Wolves in February and just getting the job done and doing so quite impressively with those key forwards back fit and available. 10 wins from the last 15 games now. Only Man City have earned more points in that stretch. Just the one defeat, a plus 19 goal difference as well. So they have got a, a puncher's chance of the top four. So I expect Liverpool to be absolutely on it on Monday night. And um, I think if those forward players can combine... Leicester are in trouble here. So they have already lost at home to City, Arsenal and United by 1-0 margins. But I just think because of the position that they're in, they can't afford to play in the same way. I'm expecting something frantic, open, exciting, high scoring. I think both sides can contribute because Leicester have been good in forward areas. They've generated an XG total of two or more in the last five games, averaging 2.65 XG. They've had a minimum of eight shots in the box in all five of those. Vardy, Barnes, Madison, they're all scoring, they're all contributing. Yeah. And Liverpool have only kept four clean sheets away all season as well. So I think just put it all in the melting pot and um, Liverpool to win and both teams to score comes out to me. Um, it's not far off two to one. So, yeah, quite happy to cheer that on a Monday night. Yeah, do You do look at that Leicester team, lots of nice technical players, lots of quality players, but there's not that many of them when you look through it who've actually been in genuine relegation battles and they weren't expecting... Yeah. What was Madison saying after Fulham? Not much battle, not much... Uh, they weren't 
intense well, enough. He clarified later because people assumed that he was saying they weren't hungry to stay up. His point was in those opening exchanges against Fulham, when you need that hunger to win challenges and to actually win your your personal battles in your 50-50s, he didn't think that was there. And I think people took that to be a more global statement about what Leicester were doing. But yeah, he was absolutely right. You know, that should have been seen as an opportunity by Leicester and it simply wasn't. In sport, what's just as important as the goals, the glory, the roar of the crowd? Yes, it's the half-time break. Time for a breather, a reset to keep everything on track. In sports betting, Betfair's safer gambling tools help you do that too. Like timeouts, so you take that all-important half-time break. Or deposit limits to help you keep count. Manage your play at safergambling.betfair.com. Simple ways to stay on top of your game with Betfair. 18 plus begambleaware.org. Uh, let's head to a London derby as West meets East. It's Brentford against West Ham. Brian, we don't know how West Ham got on against RZ on Thursday night in the Europa Conference League, but how do you see this going? No, we don't. That's on later on tonight, but I think just with them having uh, only two days to focus for the, for this game against Brentford, I, I wouldn't like to be on, on side with West Ham, you know. They've pulled away now, really, from, from trouble um, with their win over Man United last week. Um, a fully deserved win, despite the, the bizarre goal. Um, you know, they never really looked like conceding. Maybe right until the very end, it got a bit shaky. But they made it horrible for, for Man United to try and play. And, and they're now seven points clear of the bottom three. I think it's going to take an absolutely absurd run of results or sequence of results to see them fall back into trouble over the next couple of weeks. So I think... Nearly job done for David Moyes in terms of in terms of keeping them up, and now it's it, it can be fully focused on on the Conference League semi-finals. So, I think they can be ex- excused now. Maybe if there is a slight drop off in, in in their performance um this weekend, I I wouldn't really like to be on excuse me Brentford either at, at, at two 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 sixteen at the moment. You know to win the match, are they on the beach? They're still. Kind of fighting for for a conference league place. It, it looks unlikely now. Five points back with extra games played um, than than Brighton ahead of them. They've only two wins in their last nine after they were on a, a brilliant run post World Cup up until um, March. But I like their home form as well. They've only lost twice all season, and that was to to Arsenal and um, Newcastle as well. In the Premier League, it, 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 Brentford have won all three head to heads against West Ham as well. So. 216 is a bit short. If there's a bit of a, a, a drift in, in the lead up to the game, I, I, I might look to get on side with Brentford. But I'll be waiting just for the shop markets to load. Um, I'll get around to that later on today. The, the shop markets will be up. <laughs> yeah, that was, a, that was quite an existential crisis then because you're the one responsible for loading it. I'll be interested to see what happens when the shop markets get loaded. What do you think, Brian? Yes, I wonder when that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I can be excused for watching the, the Milan derby last night and maybe not getting them up as, as quick as I should. But by the time this by the time this airs, anyone listening, if you go on site, they will be there. But I'll be looking at uh, Ivan Tony to just for shots, just over um four shots will be in and around um just over evens for him, uh, I'd I'd expect. Anyway, he's had the fifth amount of shots in the in the league this season, only behind um, Kane, Salah, Rashford, and Haaland. So um, he's he's going to be central to to Brentford's performance this weekend, and I'll be looking at him just to have a, a, a multiple amount of, of shots in this game. 
those shop markets aren't loaded you know exactly who to come to uh, we're making a few changes to our daily offers here at betfair you now have to opt in to promotions to enjoy the rewards available on the sportsbook and exchange you can opt in quickly and easily by clicking a promotional banner or going straight to the promotions page and clicking opt in there's a step-by-step guide on betting.betfair.com to the efl playoff stinch let's take a look at bradford against carlisle yeah, so this is on uh, Sunday evening, uh, rather strangely. Um, but again, I think because the playoff matches are staggered, then it means you get the opportunity to watch as many as you can slash are allowed to. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, some yeah. d- delicate negotiations required. <laughs> uh, Bradford are uh, six to five faves here, which uh, basically says that uh, the market rates both them and Carlisle very similar in ability, which I'm kind of fine to go along with. You know, these two teams have played 46 matches this season and finished on very similar amount of points. So I'm happy to suggest that they are very similar in terms of ability. Um, we touched on playoff matches on the Saturday podcast, and it's it's the same it's the same um, line that I'm I'm going with here is is low scoring games essentially. Um, under two and a half goals is around about four to six, so it's a bit bit short for me to sort of, and it's not something I would bet anyway. So I was originally looking uh, maybe both teams to score no at ten to eleven, but again that's fraught with danger because you, can, you know it's very easy to get a one one in my mind. So I think actually the best bet here is under two point two five goals, around about one point nine five on the exchange so if there are um, zero or one goals the bet will win if there's two you'll get a half win if there's three or more you lose but if you look at the the last 10 league two first leg semi-finals across the last five seasons we've seen just 16 goals um, 1.6 goals per game and I think we're in for more of the same between these two teams you look at both meetings this season they finished 0-0 and 0-1 Again, very low scoring in terms of uh, chance creation, 1.15 expected goals and 1.53 expected goals across the two games. Um, only 44% of Bradford's games are going over two and a half goals and only 41% of Carlisle's games are going over two and a half goals. So never a fun bet to cheer on. But as I say, in my mind, first leg playoff semi-finals, years and years and years you just back the unders or time of first goal after x amount of minutes um it will be tetchy it will be tense and then things generally open up in the second legs um very quick pointer ahead of the second legs if you've got a team that's trailing again because it probably they'll probably only be trailing by a single goal or maybe two at most uh back the team that's chasing to win lots of corners that's always a very good route to go down because, again, generally the team that are leading, we are in playoffs. They're good teams. It's not yeah. going to be easy to get these yeah. goals back and they'll probably sit back and then let you um, attack them from the sides and generally they'll put a lot of balls into the box and it's quite easy to, to get corners. So that would be my, uh, my tip. Um, based on last season, I remember MK Don's went away to I think it was Wickham and they were trailing 2-0 and I think the line for corners like 6.5 and MK Dons put up something like 13 14 or 15 or <laughs> on the like road <laughs> so it, yeah so you can back the higher lines as well so um, yeah that would be my tip for the the playoffs uh, Monza take on the Serie A champions Napoli this weekend Brian I'm going to bet get bet uh, guess even I'm having a breakdown sorry about that uh, I'm going to guess that the bet is based on the fact that Napoli are all still drunk, maybe? 
Yeah, of course it is. Yeah, no, no, no <laughs> points for guessing my my prediction for this one on, on Monza to get a result, double chance at a just odds against a, a two point one um, on the exchange. You'll never have a better chance to beat Napoli, will you? Um, you know the Napoli players, as you said, still drunk, probably still seeing double. I'd imagine the, the celebration. three of them are in a bin somewhere in Naples, probably. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I I won a, a five aside Astro League there a few weeks back, and I wasn't seen in work until the Wednesday, so. You know, <laughs> I'd, I'd just be very wary of putting Napoli into any Sunday actors at, at, at odds on. Um, I'd imagine some of them, if, if any of them were, if they're in the pub or, or the, the semi-final of the Champions League was on last night, I'd say a lot of them were watching that, wondering how we managed to get knocked out against AC Milan. Um, Spalletti, the manager ahead of this game, obviously he's, he's going to try to keep his players in, in check and professional, but you just... Like, you can't be guaranteed Napoli are, are, are going to be at the races at all. Um, but Monza themselves as well have had some some great results this season. They've beaten Inter at the San Siro. They've beaten Juventus home and away in the league as well. Just one loss in, in their last 10 league games. So 2.1 for them to get a result, I, I, I think it's definitely worth a play. And both teams to score is, is trading at 195 as well for a game where there's no pressure on either team to win, lose or draw. I think they're going to meet goals in this one as well. And now Brian has revealed the real reason why those shop markets have not yet been loaded. Uh, Bologna against Roma elsewhere, Mark, in Serie A. Bologna can be quite dangerous, we know that. And Roma, they're just interested in the Europa League now, aren't they? That seems to be the top priority for them. Yeah, 100%. Um, Mourinho made major changes to his Roma team last week when they hosted Inter. Um, so quite a big game at home. And uh, he left the big guns on the bench uh, Tammy Abraham, Paolo Dybala are on the bench. He's clearly prioritising the Europa League tie. He clearly believes that is the best avenue to qualify for the Champions League, but that's also claims some more European silverware. Obviously, he's held in high regard in Rome after what he achieved last year in the Europa Conference League. Um, so, yeah, they're five points off the top four, but this game is obviously coming between two ties against Bayer Leverkusen, which are, are very difficult. So, Roma will have their eyes elsewhere. So, I would expect more changes this weekend for, as you say, a tricky away trip. And, and Roma's form domestically hasn't been great for a while. They've been a little bit off colour. In their last 11 matches, they've lost five and won four. They've only won twice in nine on their travels going back to November as well. So, yeah, Bologna aren't exactly flying. You could say they're on their beach already after um, consolidating in mid-table. But, um, you know, they're tough operators. And I think at the Renato Dallara, they tend to be competitive. They tend to be hard to beat. And if you look at their last 17 across all venues, they've only lost four. Three of those came away. They've lost three home games all season and they've posted three wins, three draws and just one defeat when welcoming top half opposition. So they will be up for this. They've conceded twice or more just once at home all season. Um, I expect them to score here. I don't expect Roma to score twice. Therefore, I think Bologna plus a quarter on the Asian handicap at 1.85 is the way to play it. Obviously, if the game is in a, ends in a draw, we get a half stakes win. If Bologna win, we get paid out, paid out in full. Roma have to win for this bet to lose. So um, back to a couple of weeks ago when Milan came in similar circumstances between their ties against Napoli in the Champions League. And it won. I'm happy to do so again at a similar price. Uh, let's head back to the playoffs then. Coventry against Middlesbrough Stinch and two managers who've done a terrific job with their respective teams. Yeah, 100%. I'm so excited about this match with the, the bets that I've got lined up here. I love playoff stinch. I really like playoff stinch. You see that, that excitement. We're it's recording great. on Thursday and I'm literally going to bed Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, dreaming of these bets. <laughs> like, you're not a proper gambler if you're not dreaming about 
about potential bets at big prices and and what what you're going to do with the winnings like honestly this this is so exciting um very quickly like i also think there's a massive uh, opportunity for an in play uh, bet so i would definitely advise if you if you're only allowed to watch one playoff game or one tv game on this particular day on sunday then you, you watch this one um Talked about Middlesbrough when Carrick took over after the first few games and their their performances were really good and they were getting results, but the market wasn't really catching on. Um, so very early in Carrick's days, we're able to take advantage of some really good Middlesbrough prices. I remember they're like odds against like uh, away at Cardiff and, and, and stuff like that. And um, then we also took advantage of Christmas by backing Tuba Akpom to be the top goal scorer in the, in the championship uh, um, at a very nice price. And yeah, literally just been following Middlesbrough all season and um, because they've just been so profitable. And, but, and then also just been so much fun to watch and enjoy. Um, they do have a slight issue though that, they don't always seem to start playing until the, the second half. They have a they have a tendency to concede the first goal. Um, in eight of their last fifteen matches, they've conceded the the first goal. So essentially, I'm looking at Coventry to be leading at half time, but then the match to finish in a draw at twelve to one, or Middlesbrough to come back and win at thirty to one. Wow. I'm thinking uh, like a quarter of a point on the Coventry halftime, Middlesbrough full-time, 30 to 1. And then like half a point on Coventry halftime, draw full-time at 12 to 1. Um, small sample size, his last 15 games, but this bet has won four times. Uh, they were able to come back and win against Sheffield United, uh, Swansea, Brist- uh, Bristol City. They drew in the end and Hull they won. And then also this season, they've won against Blackburn and Norwich. Now, Coventry of Faves at 6-4, to four, which seems, yeah, okay with me. I think maybe they're a little bit fortunate to be in the playoffs. The championship's not been very good this season. And their final games of the season were a lot against bottom half teams where they achieved a lot of their good results. So I would actually maybe add Middlesbrough a bit shorter. Um, I'll, yeah, I'd be tempted to back Middlesbrough sort of um, plus a quarter here, actually. Uh, I think that would be the sort of pro bet. Um, so as a result of that, basically Coventry are 10 to 11 to score first. So you're already the market, you know, it's already an odds on bet that they they, they, they could be leading. Um, they scored in the first half in, in both of their, their meetings. Uh, and actually Middlesbrough have conceded first 27 times this season. That wow. is incredible for a team that's finished fourth. It's the seventh worst in the division. However, they've scored the second most second half goals this season, 51 goals in 23 games, which is only one fewer than Burnley. And they've only conceded 25. So it really shows that they are this second half team that I alluded to. If you look at their sort of points um, record, if you split first half and second half, um, in the second half, they're getting 1.74 points per game, but it drops to 1.35 in in the first half. And that 51 goals they're scoring in the second half drops to 33 in the first half. And the 23 they've conceded goes up to 31. So you can see that they, yeah, by far and away, they're the best in the second half. But the, the main thing here is they've got the best record in the league from losing positions. They've taken 26 points this season from losing positions. So when I so I'm obviously the the best way I could find to bet this is obviously involving the halftime markets. But that's very that's very precise. You know, for example, in the in the game uh, when they met on the final day of the season, which Middlesbrough didn't need anything. Um, Coventry took the lead, but then Middlesbrough equalised in injury time in the first half. So obviously this bet would have already lost by then. So that's why what I'm saying is if Coventry take the lead, 
definitely lay Coventry or back Middlesbrough in play. Yeah. Um, even if Coventry take the lead late on, I would still, I would still happily, happily lay them because Middlesbrough have just got this relentlessness about them. And Michael Carrick, yeah, has done a phenomenal job. Yeah, definitely worth mentioning about Mark Robinson as well on a on a shoestring budget, done a fantastic job to get Coventry this far. But Middlesbrough are the real deal and really should be playing Premier League football next season. Brilliant title race in Belgium at the moment. You've got Union saint gilloise you've got Genk, and you've got Antwerp all in the mix with poor old Club Bruges in that championship playoff round going, oh, we, we can't really get involved in this. We're not very good. Uh, they had Scott Parker as manager for a bit. It didn't go very well. Um, Union saint gilloise against Genk, Mark. It doesn't sound exciting on paper, but I think it is. Oh, it really is. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Belgian football um, took a bit of a kicking in recent years because you need a, almost a, an Einstein level IQ to try and work out what the hell's going on during their end of season playoffs. But they've simplified it a bit this season or, or maybe last season. They've got brought into play where the top four basically have their points tallies halved and then they play in a round robin tournament effectively to see who will be crowned champions with those points tallies. And we're two weeks into the playoffs. As you say, it's very, very tight at the top. Antwerp, the cup winners, are leading the way, but just one point better off than both Genk and Union Saint-Gilloise. So on Sunday, we've got Saint-Gilloise against Genk facing off. Massive match. Um, just very difficult not to see how this game escalates into, into goals and entertainment, really, because the Belgian top flight has been really good fun to follow for a few years now, always averaging well over three goals per game. 58% of games featuring at least three goals, 36% over three and a half goals, and BTTS is you know, featuring at a very healthy level as well. And I think we've got two of the real sort of chief protagonists in terms of goals output meeting this this time. So both regular season meetings ended 2-1 uh, and the two teams have seen 71% of their regular season games going overs. They failed to score in only five of their combined 68 league matches and uh, they've scored in three of their four combined playoff matches already. Overs being the right winner alongside BTTS in three of those four fixtures as well. Now Saint-Gilles have seen 74% of their matches produce BTTS winners. 12 of, their eight, 12 of their 14 against the top eight have also seen BTTS. 11 of Genk's 14 against the top eight also end BTTS. And actually, if you combine their 32 games against the best teams in the league in terms of the regular season and the playoffs, these two have scored in 29 of 32, but kept three clean sheets. 66% uh, of those matches paid out for over two and a half goals and both teams have scored backers and those fixtures averaged 3.41 goals per game and the XG was well over three as well for those 32 fixtures too. So more than happy to support a goal-heavy game here. Over two and a half goals and BTTS is around about nine to ten. You can bump it up towards against by including a goal to be scored in both halves if you like. I'll keep it simple with overs and BTTS. That's all we have time for on this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Lots of other good shows on the Betfair network, including Racing Only Better. And, of course, we've got loads of good preview content from football and other sports on our website, betting.betfair.com. From Brian, from Stinch, from Mark and from me, it's goodbye for now.